Hello, welcome back to the Confessions of a Sex Addict. Today will be lesson four. No one can make you feel shame but you. Today's topic is about slut shaming and yeah, slut shaming. So as a person of the female gender, I have experienced and witnessed my friends experience a lot of slut shaming. Um, I always hated it and it's always been a double standard that I've always fought against um, because the basis, it's, sorry, I should say it's really based off of nothing because I've noticed that a lot of the guys that do slut shame will put your pussy in their mouth with the quickness, which is why I say their basis is based off of nothing. Um, It's almost like in public, they slut shame, but the moment that you're alone with them, trust me, his tongue is in your asshole and it's crazy. And, um, yeah, I just want to dissect that and really dig into that. Um, I really wish that I could have somebody on this episode with me. Maybe I'll do like a part two. Maybe I'll make this like a group discussion. Um, but I want to start off with two analogies. Actually, I think it's just one. I hate this analogy, like with a passion, just because we are humans and not inanimate objects. Um, the prompt is, why is a woman who sleeps with many men considered a slut, but a man who sleeps with many women is considered great what okay y'all get the gist y'all know the quote and the person says a lock or a door that can be opened by any key is considered a useless door but a key that can unlock any door or lock is considered the master key. Now, let me tell you why I hate this analogy. First of all, a door that can be opened by any key still has a fucking lock. If your ass don't have the key, a.k.a. the juice, you are not getting in. Plain and simple. If you do not have the key, you are not getting in. Therefore... The lock still fucking works. Therefore, you are not a useless door. Now, I'm saying that to say just because I had... Now, I'm going to be very candid because um, I'm not ashamed of this. And no one can make me feel ashamed about this. But my body count is 60. Um... Of the 60, we can say, like, maybe two of them were sexual assault, right? Two. So, 58 were voluntary. I had to let all 58 of those men enter me. I made the decision, right? I unlocked the door at the end of the day. You had to have the key. You had to have something for me to let you in, correct? But just because I've let 58 people sleep with me doesn't mean that a random person can come and be 59th. It doesn't work like that. Do you have the key? If not, then the door stays locked. Second, I'm sorry, but if sleeping with somebody 
makes you suddenly more valuable, then I guess your value was never there to begin with. Because if your friends don't think that you're cool or you don't think that you're this or that because you didn't sleep with this specific girl or you got to sleep with this specific girl and now you're suddenly the man, it's... um you have very low self-esteem to me because when did your value as a human um, become tied up to how many people you sleep with and the caliber of people that you sleep with? Considering that these are private things, right? So now we talk about it openly. So if we were back in a time where things were private, where would you get your validation from? Where would you get your value from if that is the case? So back to the master key thing. Um, Okay, master key can open every door. Sure. But if you lose said key, the door will remain locked. The lock is not useless. Now, now, if you can break the door down, which I would consider rape, um, okay, then you can call the fucking lock useless. I think I'm going to cut this part out because it doesn't make any sense. Um... Yeah, as far as the master key goes, um, I don't know. I've always, like, it's hard for me to break this analogy down because we're talking about humans. (laughs) And I've always hated when men compare women to inanimate objects when pertaining to sex. Like, uh, they'll say things like, oh, um, why would you want a pre-owned when you can have a brand new car off the lot? I'm not a fucking car. (laughs) I am not a car. So don't talk about me like I'm a car. The things that I can do for you and to you, your car can never do. Okay? Um, Yeah. Um, So let's go back to the 60 bodies. Right? Um, I, I went to college. And we'll say I left college with uh, maybe 30 to 35. So I went to college with two bodies, right? And I left with, we'll say 35. So I accumulated like 30 bodies in college. Um, at the time, I wanted love. I grew up in a very African household. Um, Some would say it was strict. Well, it was strict for me because, one, um, I didn't listen. I was kind of a rebel. Um, And uh, there was a lack of emotional support in my home. And I yearned for that soft love that you know the hugs and the sweetness and the kisses and that's what I wanted and I settled for sex I know this now but at the time when I was 18 I didn't know what the hell I was doing I was um I wanted to fuck Like, I would literally see a guy that I liked, and I didn't really care to get to know him that well. I wanted to see what you fuck like. I want to see what that stroke like. Give it to me now. And I I would get it, and I would regret it. And most people would think after, like, one, two, three, you would start just, like, closing your legs and just being, like, a little more cautious of, like, the guys that you fuck But I was very adamant about, you know, if it didn't work out with this one, get another one. If it didn't work out with that one, get another one. If it didn't work out with that one, get two. 
I heard Monique say that. <laughs> if, wait, what? If that nigga don't work, get another one. If that nigga don't work, get another one. If that nigga don't work, get two niggas. Period. And that's the type of time I was on. I was, I am cynical. I am a Virgo. I will sit and, like, if you do one thing that's out of the ordinary to me, I'm going to sit and ponder on it and come up with like the worst scenarios and overthink and nine times out of ten, I be right. Because my biggest fear is one, rejection, and two, being played with, and three, wasting my time. So, <clears throat> yeah, that that will that that really accumulates a lot of the bodies that I had in college. I was just fucking I well one I was fucking for fun but two I guess I thought that if I slept with a guy um I I don't know if I thought that I was going to be able to keep him more or keep him more interested I don't really think that that was necessarily the case because I think that I racked up so many bodies because I'm just always willing to move on very quickly. I want to fuck quickly and I want to move on quickly. Like there were certain guys that I fucked and I would talk to and it was going okay. And he did some weird shit and I just moved on because I was just like, we're not going to be together forever anyway. So why waste time just playing with each other's feelings? Um, and that was my problem. Ended up, you know, ragging up a lot of bodies with that method. Um, if I could do it again, um, I probably wouldn't have done exactly the same thing. Because if you ask me about my little black book and you ask me to even tell you their names, I can't. They were too fucking forgettable. Too forgettable. Like, there was literally... Like, the people whose names I remember off top, if I have to think about it right now, we'll say maybe, like, 20 people. Like, out of the 60, I remember, like, a third. And, like I said, they were forgettable. There was nothing to remember. And then, you know, um, the relationship didn't thrive. Things got weird or they try to play me. And after you try to play me, you never fucking existed as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah. Um, the other big part of the bodies that I caught were... I was selling pussy in 2018. Um... I had moved out of my parents' house, and I was going through a lot that year. Um, in December of 2017, I had gotten arrested. Um, the charge was driving with CDS, and they moved that up to possession. Um, I moved out of my parents' house, and at the time, they didn't know about my case, but I tried to move out before they found out because they were going to kick me out. Um they were very big on no weed. They didn't like it. They didn't like the fact that I smoked. And me getting arrested was just like that cherry on the top of the Sunday of why the fuck are you doing it? You know? Um, I had that. And then um, I moved in a Super Bowl weekend. So that was February. Literally, like not even two weeks later, I got into a car accident with my ex. So um, he had bought a, a car. It was a bummy little car too. Like he had like a 03 Nissan and then he went and bought a 04 Mazda. I was like, wow, what a upgrade. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm such a fucking bitch. And I remember I had gotten no sleep the night before and I had told him, hey, after we ran around and did his registration, he was like, hey, let's go to the mall. And I was like, I really just want to go to my parents' house and take a nap. And he was like, look, we'll just drive to my house and then I'll drive for the rest of the day. So I was like, okay, let's take the turnpike, which is like a toll road expressway. And he was like, no, because I don't have any money. So we had to take the long way. Mind you, 
I'm from Jersey. So we're going from Trenton to New Brunswick. Local traffic. Route 1 type shit. 10 minutes away from his house. I fell asleep. And my foot was on the gas and I ran through his car. We were in the left lane. We skidded across the whole highway. His car. And there was also um, a fountain right next to the highway. And the way his car was tipping, had the wind just pushed it a little bit, he would have been in that water. But thankfully, he fell right back down very hard. He ended up cracking the axle, front and back, and the car was totaled. It was my fault, and I, I was just in a financial mess. Where do I start? When I moved, I went to Brick City, Newark. The thing about Newark is that shit made me an adult. That shit made me a hustler. That shit made me tough. That shit made me everything I needed to fucking be. To survive. One thing about Newark, bitch, they don't hire nobody in Newark. I had a car I need. I had everything I needed to work. I'm talking about, and I wasn't even being selective. I applied at McDonald's, Taco Bell, Panera, the post office, autos, like any industry, anything that I qualified for, I, that was it. The original plan, because I was a dancer back in um, college, I was going to work at my old club in um, East Rutherford. Shout out to, so... Um, I tried to get hired there again, and there were just too many girls. Like, even the girls that I used to dance with were still there, and they were just like, it's too many girls and not enough customers. Like, we can't take you right now. And they suggested that I go to another one of their locations. It didn't work out. It was like, so I was on Craigslist looking for jobs and stuff, and uh, I came across an ad looking for dancers. I needed a lot of money, and I didn't need it fast. So I went to this club. Well, first I talked to him on the phone. And, um, you know, it was slow season for bars and the clubs because um, Christmas had just passed. Everyone's credit card bill was racked up. Everywhere you went, it was just slow. So I talked to this man, and he was like, look, I run... A very local spot. It's a lot of regulars. They tip. You're gonna you're gonna leave here with something. And if you don't, I will pay you myself. So I was like, you know what? I have nothing to lose right now. Let me go. It was like a dive bar, you know, real hole in the wall spot. It was actually when you pull up to it, it looks like a house. We didn't even have a locker room. We had a room. It was like damn near a closet and it had this mirror and like this teeny tiny desk where you could like do your makeup and stuff. So like we would take turns or we would come already ready so that, you know, uh, the other girls would have space and time to get ready. Um, so when I got there, he basically explained to me that uh, he did rooms and basically, in these rooms, niggas was fucking or getting their dick sucked. I was always the stripper that kind of like stuck to my guns when it came to no prostitution. So my first night, I had four offers to do rooms, and each room is a is one fifty each for fifteen minutes. So the way that it works is for the first room, he'll take fifty dollars from you. You keep the hundred, and then every other room after that, you it's all profit. And he also didn't have a house fee. So if, if you don't know what a house fee is, it's what the clubs charge you to work there. So at Stilettos, it, during the week, that's, um, I think, Sunday through Thursday, um, $30. Friday and Saturdays are $60, point blank period. So he didn't have a house fee as far as like your tips went. But if you did these rooms, he would take $50 for the first one. I had four offers that night. So I would have made $600, not including my tips. And I walked out with $200 in tips. So I would have altogether walked out with $800 that night. But I had to stick to my morals 
because I remember my mom saying, because when I left the house, at that point, my parents already knew I was dancing. But my mom kept saying something about, oh, you're going to be a prostitute. Da, 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 da. So I was, I, I was trying my best to prove her wrong. Now, she doesn't know, you know, that this was happening. And honestly, at this point, what the fuck does it matter? This was like five years ago. I was making good money. I didn't need to do the rooms. I felt like at that point I was just being greedy. So I started working at this club, this dive bar, and I was averaging, you know, two, three hundred a night. I was making a hundred dollars with lab dances, getting two hundred dollars in tips every night. So we talking because it was only open Monday through Friday. So we're talking a thousand dollars a week, easy. And, you know, I was able to, you know, maneuver and, you know, pay my rent, maintain myself and all that good jazz. So he cut my lap dances, the manager, because the other girls was doing rooms. I got to keep my lap dances, which were $20 a pop. And he told me, you know, the other girls are complaining, saying that it's not fair. So I have to cut your lap dances. So I went from making $20 per lap dance to now $10. Was that hurt me so bad? I went from bringing home an extra 100, 150 home to $50. Cause I would average about like five, five to seven lap dances a night. A lot of people would do doubles. So I was getting like $40 a pop per person. When he cut the lap dances, I was like, okay, like it's no big deal. I'm gonna just like keep on working with my tips and you know, hopefully things will pick up because slow season was no longer around. Things did not get better. My case started closing. I had two cases because I hit my ex-boyfriend's car. I had to go to court for that. And I had this uh, possession charge. And we're talking about traffic court. So I had, there was a possibility that I could get my license taken away. But also, if they found me guilty and put me on probation and or gave me jail time, I would have gotten deported because I had a green card. So this was a very stressful time for me, we can say. Um, and then every other second, there was something wrong with my car. I had a 03 Honda at the time. So you can imagine hoopty maintenance. One time, fucking Nork, I hit a pothole so fucking big, my rim cracked in half. 250 right there. Thankfully, the mechanic fucked me. So I was able to give him half. And I was, and I told him, I was like, I'm going to work tonight because I paid him in singles. So he already knew what the fuck was up. I was like, I got to go to work tonight, but I'll be able to give it back to you tonight. I wasn't able to give it back to him that night. I think I gave him another $50. And then at the end of that week, I was able to pay him. I think I paid him extra, like on some, on like a tip because he let me slide and gave me, gave me my car back. But that's just an example of like the everyday bullshit that I was going through. And then um, at the time, I lived with my roommate and her son. So it's just like, you know, kids are expensive. You know, I wasn't going to leave her out in the dust. Like, I, of course, I was helping out. We, we lived in a household. I wasn't going to let anyone go without. So it was a very stressful time for us. And then also, weed is expensive. Like, if you are an Advent pot smoker... It's very expensive to like buy weed every day, buy love every day, and that stuff added up. And the type of bitches we was, we was smoking some fucking weed. Back in Newark, <laughs> they used to sell it, or at least the guy we went to, we used to sell it by like the Knicks. So they would give you like a little crack tube of Knicks. And like if you wanted a dime, they would give you two. If you wanted an eighth, they would give you like six so it was very funny it was a very funny time nork but all that to lead up to i went in that one day and was like i'm ready to do rooms 
I was like, I need money fast and I need it now. Because after they found out about my case, my parents wanted to get me a lawyer and the retainer was 2500 I did not have anything close to that. And the music is blaring, it's fucking loud and I'm not, I'm trying to have this conversation with my parents about, so I don't even know how I pulled that off. My mom ended up putting the 2500 on her credit card and I had to like basically do like a payment plan. So just that alone, was just cutting into like whatever money I was making. I had to pay her like I don't know, a 150 a month or 250. Either way, I couldn't fucking afford it. So I was like, okay, I'm ready to do rooms. I did my rooms. I I was back to making what I was making, you know, 300 a night about. Things were going okay. I did not like it at all. Like at all. <laughs> oh. First of all, I have never seen penises so small. So small. Like, you know when they talk about micro penises? That 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 is what they're talking about. And on and one of them was a black guy. And I was looking at him like there is absolutely no way that this is it. This is all your wife gets. This is it. There's nothing else. Hmm in the way he talked to me and it was it was getting very uncomfortable we'll say so and then um one day i remember i had um this guy had paid for three lap dances i remember the manager talking to him and said hey for only like 20 dollars more you can like upgrade and get a room and i was so irritated because like here i was all i had to do was dance and now i have to suck this person's dick yeah i remember he, after the fact, because like, okay, right? You would suck the dick with condoms. So it didn't really feel like you was, like it literally felt like you were sucking on a Ziploc bag. Like that's literally how I remembered it. Because like I said, these penises were very small. Like I'm talking about the top half of your pinky. That's how small these penises are. It's like sucking on your thumb, but smaller. So it's not like like people were coming on my face or like this was not a porno. Like it was just very, very, you know, what it was, you know, 15 minutes, you pay for whatever. And yeah, so I remember I did the room. I swear to God, the manager gave me $40. I never went back. That was my last time there what I was going through what I was doing for money like I felt like I sold my soul I felt so disgusting and at the time yes niggas is gonna think I'm so foul you know I still feel bad to this day but at the time I had a boyfriend I was going through a lot legally. I You always had to have the money right now, right now, right now. There was no payment plans, da da da, da. So it was just like, I was really in a hole. Life kicked my ass. I was a dropout. Like, I had to get it however. And at the time, that, that was it. I probably caught like 10 bodies, 10 bodies there. Because I really didn't, like I said, I didn't like doing that. It started affecting me a lot, you know, when I told him about it. We broke up, obviously. I mean, we broke up, like, what, two weeks after that? But he was already going to the military and all that stuff. Do I feel bad? Yes. But at the same time, he wasn't doing anything for me. Like, when I moved out, all the surprises stopped. All the date nights stopped. Everything stopped. As far as our relationship, we became so stagnant and... I remember, like, he he used to ask me for gas money, knowing I didn't have any money or even toll money. And sometimes, like, two, three dollars and quarters, and I, and I would give him everything, all of it. And he, and when I would ask him for money, like, I would be like, oh, I need 20 dollars for gas. Because at, at one point, when I left the club, I started doing Uber Eats. Sometimes it would be so slow, that I would eat up my gas. So I would have to be like, hey, can I borrow $20? And at the end of the day, I'll give it back to you. Sometimes I couldn't even pay him back $20 with the gas because I had only made like $25. So it was a very trying time for me. 
most people would be ashamed to tell anybody, let alone on a podcast, all these things that I just said. But I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. You call me a whore, dirty, da 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 Still gonna put my pussy in your mouth. Why? Because I'm a clean-ass bitch. Go to the fucking doctor all the time. I get tested. I use condoms. I don't play that shit. I might get around, but I ain't dirty. That is one thing. Don't even play with me. To connect back to the topic of slut-shaming, I've, I've said it before, like, oh, I've sold pussy before. Ah, ah, ah. Like, prostitution is nothing to me. Because it isn't. At the end of the day, prostitution is the oldest trade in the world. Men think, breathe, eat, live pussy. And there are some of them that are willing to pay for it. And for some of them, I am willing to take the money. Why? Because calling me a prostitute doesn't phase me in any way. When I was a stripper, niggas was calling me a prostitute. I give a fuck. I remember my friends, my, my, my friend group, and I know that... They probably stopped fucking with me as hard because of like the things that people would say and I was so open. And I can definitely understand like not wanting to like be stuck with that stigma of like, oh, you're friends with a stripper or y'all are probably all hoes because this bitch is a hoe. And, you know, I would never be upset if somebody doesn't really want to associate me with me because of that because one thing about me I'm not I will not stop being authentic for anybody I don't give a fuck I don't give a fuck when I was low what did your opinions do for me when I was low it was just me so I I can't fault my friends for not being the same as me I might not feel shame but they do and it was never really a a problem. I remember they came up to me and they was like, yo, uh, people are saying that you're a prostitute. Oh my God. You guys think I make that much money? That's great. And they were so taken aback by how aloof and nonchalant I was about it. And I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? What is being upset going to do for me? Truthfully, what is being upset going to do for me? Nothing. Let's laugh it off. I used to tell people I was a stripper because you're never going to think that you can one-up me. You're never going to expose me. And when I started taking that power away from people, that power of thinking that they can say things to me that hurt my feelings, they stopped playing with me because you know I don't give a fuck and you know I'm going to keep living my life. I'm going to keep on seeing the beautiful things that the world has for me to see and you're still going to be miserable. That's why I don't feel no shame and that's why you shouldn't either. Let me tell you something about shame. It's okay to feel ashamed when you go against your morals. Like, I did not feel good in that whorehouse. I did not feel good about that. After that situation, I can say that I was okay with sex being transactional. And some people would think that that's not necessarily a good thing. But, bitch, we fucking for free at the end of the day. And that shit ain't getting me nowhere. If a nigga want to pay for it, then I let's get it. That's just what it is at the end of the day for me. It's not something that I advertise like, hey, I'm selling pussy $50 like for five minutes or whatever. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, I've done the sugar daddy thing. Love that. That was I had the time of my fucking life. Ooh, let me tell you about my sugar daddy. This guy was so smart. I spent, he is the reason I have Indian hair in my head. I remember I was like, oh yeah, I wanna get my hair done. Da, 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 da. And he's like, okay, how much is it? And I was like, um, 500. That nigga Venmoed to me in five minutes. And mind you, I told him that I was getting it done. The hair was only $300 pocketed too. I really, really loved that. And anything I wanted, I could ask for. I was like, I want Chick-fil-A. He's sending the money. My, at the time, my brother knew that I had something going on. I, I, I think I said I had like a rich boyfriend or something. And I was like, look, watch this. What do you want? And I think he wanted like, I don't know, Fridays or something. And I was like, hey, like, I want to go to Fridays. Can you send me some money? Boom. The money was there. And he was like, damn. Like, I could get used to this. And then um, I went the next week after my hair was all cute and done. I went the next week to meet up with him in the hotel room. It was this beautiful hotel room in um, 
New York in like the financial district. So gorgeous. It had like, like the lobby was kind of like the Garden of Eden feel. And like on my floor, like there was like all these butterflies. And it was the most gorgeous room I've ever been in. Yeah, I think it was like $500 a night. We obviously fucked. We fucked in the shower and we fucked regular. He also had a micro penis. Like one thing about like guys that pay for pussy, it is amazing when you get a guy that has a micro penis because you don't have to do no work. Sucking the dick is easy. Fucking the dick is easy and they come really fast. So easy peasy lemon squeezy. When it was time to go, he gave me $800 cash and I ran to the courthouse and paid my restitution. I owed Robbinsville $1,000. I paid that shit instantly, instantaneously. And I was like, I finally was able to breathe because when you don't pay your shit, they give you a bench warrant. I remember they was not willing to work with me. They said two fifty a month. I said two fifty a month is too much. Even my parents were like, way, way, way two fifty. And then if you want that shit to be lowered, you need to go in front of the judge. That judge did not fuck with nobody. He did not care about nothing. Nobody had going on. He's like, if you ain't got no job, then you need to come back next week and show me all the job applications you applied for. That's the type of judge we talking about. So he wasn't going to give me no leeway. So I had to, I bled for that first payment. I bled, sweated, cried to make that 250 And that shit was late too. But after that, I was like, nah, I need to figure out a way to get rid of this payment. So, you know, the sugar daddy came in very, very handy. I've done a lot of things that I personally wouldn't want to like tell my parents about just because I know how they feel about it. But do I regret a lot? Mm, some things. Am I ashamed? No. Am I going to say, oh, it made me who I am today or whatever? Like, I'm not going to say that corny shit. I'm just... We live in a capitalist country. It would be very easy for me to point the finger and be like, oh, you're dirty, you're this, you're that, because there's so much help and aid and, you know, you get rental assistance, food stamps, da, 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 like at the snap of your finger, like insurance, what is insurance? Like free health care. Not only that, pharmaceutical drugs are dirt fucking cheap. The problems that I had here, had I lived in my home country, I wouldn't have even fathomed thinking of doing half of the shit that I actually did. But we live in America where get it any way, shape, or form because there is absolutely nobody here to fucking help you. Nobody. And I pray every day and I thank God every day that I did not get sick during the year of 2018 because had I needed to go to the hospital for anything, even though I was on my parents' insurance, they still send a bill and I wouldn't have been able to pay that shit. So I've done a lot of things from 18 to 24. I'm 25 now looking. I don't have a lot of regrets. Now that I'm wise, I know that I was young and dumb, one. Two, I wanted to be an adult so bad and life fucking flicked me on the nose every fucking day. Just, it's like, you think you grown? Flick, flick, flick. Like, that's what it was every single day. And the only thing that I really wish that I'd taken heed to, I feel like any kid in my situation, considering like, my parents are able to do the bare minimum. When I got to high school, they didn't even pay for my clothes anymore. Like my parents had always had financial problems and that is just middle class in America, you know, barely making ends meet. There was just a lot of things that I didn't know because my parents didn't want me to know, but I feel like I should have known. Because had I actually known, I would have 
maybe not been so arrogant when I did decide to move out. But I don't regret ever moving out because I remember my mom used to beg me every day to come home. And every day I would tell her no. Because as much as life was flicking me on my nose and I was sucking dick for money and I had problems with my car and I didn't know where my next meal was, bitch, I was happy. Happy, joyous, joyful, snug as a rug in a bug, okay? I was happy. And my parents could not wrap their head around the fact that I had so many problems and they could fix all of them and I refused. I refused. I didn't want to. I did not want to go home. I, and I stuck that year out until the lease was up and then uh, my roommate slash best friend uh, moved to Georgia. And um, because my dumb ass ex decided to go to the military and not tell me um, the lease that we signed, I had to break it because I couldn't afford to live there by myself, which was very sad. I really did not like that. Slut shaming. Hey, slut shaming is lame as fuck. And if you as a girl slut shame, bitch, stop projecting. Okay, if you are, I'm not going to say prude because I have, I feel like prude has like a negative connotation to it. But if you're conservative and you're not open, mind your business. Because there's nothing that I got going on that has anything to do with you and vice versa. You're conservative, da 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 Okay, have conservative friends and talk about conservative things with them. And then I have my free-spirited friends where we talk about all types of shit. I, one thing about me, I'm open about my lifestyle and how I think, but I'm not forcing it on anybody. Which is why I say, you know, if you don't want to, like, be in my close friends, I'm not going to force you. Right? Because there's just certain things that I talk about that could make people uncomfortable. But just because you're uncomfortable with it doesn't mean you get to shame me. Keep your thoughts for yourself because, again, until I can pay my fucking car note with your opinion, keep that shit to your motherfucking self. Point blank, period. Because don't nobody want to hear that shit. Another reason why I really don't care for slut shaming is um if you remember in the first episode where we talked about me losing my virginity um and there was that horrible rumor about me at school so I remember that whole year people were calling me a slut there was I remember there was one bitch who came up to my face and called me a grimy whore. Mind you, I've never had a conversation with her a day in my life. Mind you, she's also half my size. I don't know you, and you don't know me. One thing I feel like was a saving grace for a lot of people when I was growing up uh, and in school was <clears throat> she had a lot of people saving grace while I was in school was that if I got into a fight, my parents were not going to come and defend me. So for me, it was better that I not fight because let's say I smacked this bitch the moment she said that dumb ass shit to me, considering she is half my age. I mean, sorry, not half my age. Let's say I smacked that dumb ass bitch the moment she said that dumbass shit to me. Because she's half my size, I would have automatically got sent to the principal's office. Parents would have been called. My mom would have been pissed because she would have had to pick me up. I would have gotten my ass beat at home. Then I would have to wait for my dad to come home and beat my ass. And then I would have been suspended where i probably get, be getting my ass beat during the time that I'm at home. So I really feel like... Had my parents had my back more, bitches would have been getting whacked. I feel like when I say I'm a pacifist, I'm a pacifist by force. Because I feel like I grew up with boys. The first girl in my family came around when I was 10. So I've been 
fighting with boys my whole life. Fighting was never a problem for me. Like when I was in New York, even though I didn't speak English that well, I held my own because I wasn't gonna let none of them bitches fuck with me. But Jersey was different. When I came to Jersey, because I moved to a very predominantly white area, I was perceived as very mean and aggressive. And when you're an eight-year-old little girl who has never experienced like being lonely like that, I just had to shape up, you know? I basically made myself a pussy. I made myself a pushover so that these white kids wouldn't be afraid of me so that they would be friends with me and that ended up turning into me just pussying out all of my school days but at the same time my parents didn't have my back so you know I feel like now the one thing I do say that I regret in my life I wish I was knocking fucking heads off in school Because now that I sit back and think about it, it's like, y'all bitches was getting fingered at the parties. Y'all bitches was in middle school sucking dick. This rumor about me was minuscule compared to... Them bitches was deflecting. Deflecting and projecting. Oh, because there's a new rumor out. You trying to blow my shit up so people can forget about you. And at 25, I understand that now. At 12 or 13, I did not understand that. And I wasn't supposed to. Episode is coming to a conclusion. I really feel like, you know, slut shaming is so lame to me. Just because I feel like unless the person is like fucking your husband or your boyfriend. And I feel like boyfriend is a gray area because half the time y'all bitches think that that's your boyfriend, and he's really not. And I don't like playing the side chick role, personally. Like, I am kind of like a... It's either a one-night stand, or you're my man. (laughs) No in-between. Like, either fuck me or leave, or keep on fucking me every day. Like, you can't fuck somebody else. That's crazy. I think that a lot of slut-shaming comes from the fact that... A lot of slut-shaming comes from the fact that Real sexual education is still very limited. A big part of why I had to create this podcast, and I say I had to, is because sometimes, you know, I'm talking to these girls that are like 19, 20, and they're telling me about their situations with these guys, and they're so lost. They don't know what to do. They can't talk to their parents, and it's like... Nah, I got to give y'all game. This is crazy. And I got to give y'all game because I don't want y'all to be like me, 60 bodies and nothing to show for. Yeah, I got, I've had niggas in love with me. That don't mean shit. I've had somebody propose to me. Don't mean shit. Like the real big takeaway from this podcast that I would like, first of all, men or women, Because a lot of fucking men listen to this shit. Like, 70% of my listeners are men. So, I know that you hear me when I say this. That I want you to walk away with one, being a little more sexually educated as far as being a woman goes. Because I can only speak as a woman. And when I find a man, I will represent for y'all, men. But I can only speak for women. Two... Knowing how to navigate men or your partners in general, love, relationship, and just knowing that when something don't feel right, it ain't right. I just want to conclude this episode by saying no one can make you feel shame but you. And as someone who's carried her shame for a long time and I've literally let it go within the last few years. I think it was my first breakup as I was going through that. I feel like I was carrying so much on myself and that breakup kind of made me like, kind of like busted me open in a way. 
I can't really explain it, but like heartbreak has a way of like shaking up the norm. So it made me really sit and analyze and confront all of the things that I was ashamed about. And I'm not even on the other side of that heartbreak yet, not gonna lie. Heartbreak has a way of shaking up the norm and making you face the things that you've kind of been hiding or ashamed of. And I feel like as I started working on myself and really getting to know myself and things like that, there was just certain things that I just didn't care to be ashamed about anymore. How sexual I am, how much I think about sex, how much I love sex, how I love one night stands, how I'm unable to be vulnerable. Just a bunch of factors that have just kind of led me to being this way. And I'm not going to be this way forever because I'm a human. I'm a person and I am forever evolving. And this is just a stage in my life. And I just want to talk to 13-year-old Faye and say, hey, fuck them bitches at your school, okay? They are miserable. You are still going to see all of the beautiful things that this world has. And them bitches is still going to be miserable. Them bitches is still going to be talking about you. And there's nothing you could do about it. Just give them more to talk about. And that, I feel like that has always been my philosophy. Like, even when I was a dancer and I used to tell people that I was dancing, it was just like, I was, I took that power away from people to be able to really, because it's like, when I'm already saying it, I feel like, one, people care less to kind of talk to you about it because they genuinely know that you do not give a fuck like at all. And I feel like when I started maneuvering that way, I was so much happier. This is me. I can't be anything but me. Or I should say, this is me right now, open and authentically. Am I going to be like this forever? I don't know. Because I'm forever evolving. But I know that being honest with myself about this being me helps me evolve. And I just hope that anyone who is listening to this podcast knows that, one, you are enough. Two, your value will never depend on how people perceive you. And three, no one can make you feel ashamed but you. People can try to throw their shade and their shame at you. But if you deflect that shit, that shit is going to come right back to them. Because they try to make you feel something that they themselves feel. And they're going to feel that shit even more. You keep on doing you. As long as you're not hurting nobody, you will get to see all the beautiful things that life has for you as well. Thank you for listening to this episode. No one can make you feel shame but you. From my podcast, The Confessions of a Sex Addict.